Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at the first part, and we're going to go over this series, and we're going to finish it up. We're going to be thankful in here. Just, it says in Genesis chapter 1, it says, <clears throat> In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and, the, and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the earth, of the deep, and, of the, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you <clears throat> for being able to be thankful for what you've done. Even though sometimes we go through a lot, there's always something to be thankful for. Lord, may we sit down with our families this week and not discuss things that upset each other, but we, may we just understand that we're thankful for each other. Lord, but I want to appreciate, and I appreciate everything that you've done for me, and I want to be thankful for you. Lord, let us study how we can be thankful this morning. and Give us some attributes of you that we can be thankful for. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to get to that, so just keep your finger in there, and we're going to go to two other stories in the Bible. I'm going to give you three words that we can be thankful for when it comes to God. And, of course, just plain thankful. Do you not, do you not agree that I think this country is not as thankful as we should be? I do. When I look at it, I think, oh, my word, we could be a lot more thankful than what we are. We've already looked at a few things with being thankful. We've looked at um, our family. And remember this, if you're visiting with us, we've looked at family. Everybody has crazies in their family. You can still be thankful for them, okay? And so we need to make sure we're thankful for our family. I'm thankful for the family that I married into. They're not perfect, and I'm sure she would tell you the same thing about my family, that we're not perfect. You know, my daughter might be coming with us to go see my, my father. And my granddaughter might be coming. We might have the hoodlum with us next week. And so we might go see them if they can get off and they can get there. But, you know, it's just something about seeing family members. You don't know how long we've got. Things can change overnight. We need to be thankful for our family. We also need to be thankful for our church. Got a text this morning for, from Patsy saying, pray for Braden. He's at the hospital. They're running some tests on him. And so, you know what? It's good to go to church where you can share that burden with people. And so we need to make sure we pray for them then. We're going to talk today about being thankful for God. There are so many attributes of God that we can go, okay, I'm just thankful for what God's done in this. You know, if you think in your mind, what would you say were some of the biggest attributes that, God's, that God is and who He is in your life? And, and we'll, we'll, we'll check some of these out. I'm going to just give you three this morning. And so we're going to look at these, but as we look at this, let's just be plain thankful. You go out in the world and you walk, no one looks happy. Daniel, have you, has Daniel shared his gobble-gobble story with the church? Okay. Um, can I share it with him? There he is. All right. Daniel, can I share the story? Okay. Okay. He said I could. All right. I don't know if he said that or not, but he, was, he went into Walmart and did the guy that's ringing the bell. And he said, the guy said something to him, and he said, Thanks, Happy Thanksgiving. And the guy looked at him and said, Gobble, gobble. So Daniel wasn't going to be outdone by the gobble, gobble, and so he went, Gobble, gobble back to him. And so the guy thought it was funny, and he, then he starts doing more than two gobbles at him. He's like, Gobble, 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 gobble. Without Daniel realizing, he's walked about 15 feet into Walmart. And he yells back at him, gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> and Kelly goes, you're kind of embarrassing me right now. So we went into Walmart yesterday, and he goes, that's the guy. That's the guy. That's the gobble guy. And so when we left, 
When we walked out the door, I looked at him, and he looked at me, he straight, looked straight in my eye, I go, gobble, gobble. And he gobble, gobble back at me. So, you know, sometimes you can look and you can be just thankful for what God's done for you. Amen? Let's look at some things that God has done. We talk about creation here in Genesis chapter 1. Isn't it amazing that when you look at what God has made, you see the majestic aspect of it? Look at these mountains. I mean, do you really want to believe that this just evolved into these mountains? And I look at these mountains, and then, then I think of the desert. Beauty in its own self. You could pull up Niagara Falls. You could look at a lot of things that God has made, and you could say, man, it's just amazing what He can do. Then you look at this and you, and you see the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever been, had the privilege of seeing the Grand Canyon? You don't realize how massive it is until you're there. We took our kids when we were going out to California, we took them and we wanted to get some pictures of us by the Grand Canyon. I don't know what Megan was thinking, our oldest, but she was scared to death in those pictures. Scared that she's going to fall off and we were 10, 15 feet from the edge of it. But every picture she's going like this, you know, with her eyes wide open. But you know, you look over that side and you see how wonderful that is. My personal opinion, this happened when, when the flood happened. I think the waters did this. And so then you also, and here's something that you guys probably get used to. How many of you have lived in this area for the, the, your whole life? Raise your hand. I want to tell you this. Don't get used to the Smoky Mountains. When I see the Smoky Mountains, I see the mountains around. It's just beautiful. I, I'll be driving down the road and I'll go, look, and look at the mountains over there. And, we're, and I don't ever want to get used to it. We honeymooned in Gatlinburg, and, and I'm so thankful that if we want to, we can just drive over to Gatlinburg and see these mountains. We've got mountains here. I tried to buy land. I wanted to get something flat. Yeah, that's kind of hard to do. I look at some of your homes. I think of Phil's home. Good night. It goes straight up. And then, and then you go all these houses, and we, th there's not very much flat land to it. But I'm so thankful. Look at the power that, that our God did. He made all these. Now, there's some other aspects I want you to see about God. What about this? You ever thought about the animals that he made? When I see an elephant, I just, I'm amazed at it. It's just, you just see the power of that animal. But God made that. And then there's an, always an animal that gets bad press. The great white. And you know what, I, there's no, I don't want to see one up close. I'll take pictures of them all day, amen. That's why I do not, when, when, Phyllis, when we go to your place, we, I do not go in that water. Because even if it's this far, a shark can get in there. They're little baby sharks, but if there's a hundred of them, they can really hurt you. <laughs> but you see these sharks, you think, man, look what my God made. Then you've got to understand that God has a sense of humor because he other made, made some other animals too. It's funny how grown men will run around, run away from an animal this big if it's just two colors. But then I've got to put the most amazing animal up there. That's the dogs, amen. I just, I just look at the majestic and aspect of how God made every one of them different. A giraffe, when I say giraffe, what do you think of? A long neck. Think of a porcupine, what do you think of? Something could hurt you in a different way. Do you look at these and you see all the power, you see the land. And then there's another aspect that God made, and it's this. He also made the planets. Last night I was looking up, let our dogs out, and I was looking up in the sky last night, and it was just beautiful to see the stars and to think that God made all those for us. 
not only made the planet, he made the sun. There's many different statistics you could say about the sun, but it's amazing how God made that. It's never burn up, nor will it ever, until God wants it to. Then you have the moon. Isn't it wonderful to see how the moon works? I remember we had a particular doctor that would, would, would operate on people by the cycle of what the moon was. And people laugh about that and they say, that's kind of old school. And we talk with him about it. He goes, do you realize that I have 80% less infections on the people that I, that I do surgery on? You know, we, we, you think of how powerful God is and he did all those. And not only that, he also made the stars in heaven. So, you know, when I, when I think about God, I, I think about two things that I'm thankful for. I'm th I think of uh, the word God made. You find it in, in Genesis chapter 1, and you find another thing that says God said. Now, there's some verses in here, and, I, and, and as you look at these, what did God make in Genesis chapter 1? Here's the verses. In verse number 7, 16, 25, and 31, it says the word God made. And realize this, that He made something out of nothing. He didn't have any ingredients. He just spoke it and said. Then he said, he said in numerous verses, 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 28, and 29, that he spoke things. You know one thing I'm thankful about our God? He created all these things. It just shows one thing about him. Thank God for his what? Power. You know of another creature that could do that? No. You look and you see everything around you God made. I think it's wonderful how God increased our wisdom to build things. You're sitting on a pew that's got wood on it. Somewhere a tree grew for that pew. You've got fabric on there that was fabricated for, for this pew. You've got books in there, again, wood. You've got a bunch of different things that God made that we've made into what we need. God knows exactly what we need. And He is all-powerful. If you don't believe that He's all-powerful, just think about how He keeps the planets in their orbit. By His spoken word. And it's the only planets that we can see. Can you imagine how large this is? Have you ever heard scientists talk about how large the universe is? It's amazing to think how powerful God is. So thank God for His power. I want you to go to John chapter 11. And I want you to look at something else in, in, in his aspect of it. Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And we're going to look at a story. We're going to see another aspect of him. I want to encourage you when you're with your family this week, sitting around the table, just make a notion to just say, let's just give something we're thankful for. You know, I'm thankful that I get to see my sister. I get to see my brother. I'm thankful for, the, for just little things sometimes, but there's some, also some big things. I want you to look at Luke chapter 11, starting in verse number 17. Luke chapter 11 and verse 17. I am sorry, I have turned to the wrong one. We want to go to John, John chapter 11. I was like, that is not the story I want. If I put that up there, I'll see it. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. That makes a big difference. Okay, John chapter 11. Go to verse number 17. It says, And when Jesus came, he found that, that they had lain in the grave four days already. 
Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary still sat at home. Sat still at home. And then, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Then watch, her, watch, his, watch the statement after this. It says, And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. But look at verse number 25. It says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And continue reading, jump down to verse number 32. It says, now when, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Look at the question he asked in verse number 34 and said, Where have you laid him? Now, when I look at questions that Jesus asked, Jesus already knew where he was laid. Why is he doing this? He's, letting, he's wanting them to take him, and he wants them to acknowledge that he's in where? The grave. And so it keeps reading, and it says this, it says, they said unto him, Lord, come and see. It says the, the small verse, Jesus wept, then said the Jews, Behold, now he loved him. You know, when I, when I was studying this, it was interesting. Not only did God have power, but you know, he had another thing for us. Look at this story and think this story through. Why did Jesus cry? He already knew what he was going to do. Why did he cry? We read this story, Jesus wept. Look at, the, look at how it leads into it. Go to the verse in front of it. John, John 11, 35, everybody knows it's the shortest verse in the Bible. But go to verse number 33. It says, that When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. You know, one thing I think that Jesus is to us, that I'm so thankful for, not only the power that God has, but something that Jesus shows in this story, is his patience with us. You realize how patient he is with us? He knew what he was going to do. But yet, he still cried over it. He didn't cry because he was going to raise him from the dead. He cried because of the emotion of the other people, and he knew, and he had, he had compassion on them. Aren't you thankful that God shows patience to you? When we're not there yet? Now, I want to I show you these... Two words together because I want to point out something to you. Thank God for His power and thank God for His patience. I want you to think of the most influential person you know and the most powerful person that you know. Maybe it's your boss that, that um, in a very large organization, it can't be a small organization, it's got to be a large organization. Or just think of someone that has a lot of power. Watch this. How many of them are patient? Not too many people with power are patient. I was working, I'm not going to tell you what company, but what can Brown do for you? I was working for them, okay? And I was a, I was a management, and they were talking, and this guy talked to me, and he kept cussing me, cussing at me. 
one of the rules that just came out two weeks before that you, you weren't supposed to be saying bad words. And I was like, okay. They didn't say bad words. That's what I'm saying. Okay. You're not supposed to use certain language. And he was just going off on me. And finally, I said, if you say one more word, and I had not done anything. If you say one more word, I'm going to hang the phone up on you. And he kept going on a tyrant, and, and, and I just hung the phone up. And, buddy, it wasn't two seconds. That phone rang again. It's him again. And I said, these are the rules that you have set up that we're not supposed to say these words. He said, you're just saying that because you're a preacher. I said, no, I'm not. I just don't want to be disrespected like that. He was not patient at all with me. I was trying to explain everything, and he went off on a tyrant again. The next morning, I get up there at 2.30 in the morning, and guess what? There's a Mercedes-Benz sitting in front of the, car, in front of the building. We've never seen a Mercedes-Benz at, 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 at that, this building before. He was waiting on me. And could I say this? He was not waiting patiently. He went through all the numbers, and he figured out what I was saying was true on the numbers. But he didn't want anybody, because you could, you could feel power just talking to him. And he knew it. He was fourth in charge of the whole company. And as he talked to me, you could tell that he didn't care what I said. He wasn't going to be patient with me. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that created the universe, created all these animals, created all the planets, and yet he's patient with you? And let me relate this to you. What would you do if you were God? If people acted like you and you were God, what would you do? I'd hate to think what I would do. Anybody in here say you'd mess everything up? I would. How would you respond to somebody that falsely accused you, was going to nail you to a cross and have you die a cruel death, put you in a grave, and three days you're going to rise up? What would you say to those people that were nailing you to the cross? You know what I see? I see a man that was patient. And you know what his patience did? His patience allowed the man on the cross beside him to go to heaven. Because that man on the cross saw something different in him than he saw in his buddy across the side on the other side of him. And you look at the power that he, he holds at any given time he could have got off that cross. But he was patient with it. And I love that verse, and sometimes as, as a child you go, oh, I memorized the verse, Jesus wept. But there's much more into this story than just Jesus weeping. It was a personal application that he was weeping. Why was he weeping? Because he cared for these people. And he loved Lazarus. But the, he wanted to show them by his patience how powerful he was. Because remember when they get him out, he says, Take, they said, don't get him out, he stinks. Don't get him out, he stinks. He said, well, get him out here. And he calls his name, he comes out, unwrap him. And it just shows you again how patient he is because he tells them what? Give him some food. And I'm telling you, we serve a God that is all-powerful. How many of you agree with that? How many of you agree that you, we serve a God that's patient with you? Right? I get mad when my tea goes under half a glass when I get to a restaurant. Right? Anybody like that? Brother Castle, you like that? You, how many of you are slurpers in here? Get low and you start slurping so they know you're out. Or you're a jingler. When she walks by. 
How many do that? How many of you are borrowers? My wife loves that one. I borrow my wife's drink when I'm out. Amen, praise the Lord, and I drink it. And I could tell when I, when I borrow from her, I don't borrow all, I just borrow about half. You know what? Sometimes we're not patient. God is all-powerful, and I'm so thankful for that. I don't have to worry about when I wake up tomorrow if the sun's going to shine. The sun's going to shine. You say, well, what if it's cloudy? The sun's still up there. We just can't see it from the clouds. What if it rains? It has been raining. Praise God, it's not supposed to rain today or tomorrow. I looked at the forecast. Now, I can tell you this. God is more powerful than the weatherman. The weatherman's not very good. I wish I had that job, amen? Can you imagine? Just pick something. If it doesn't happen, I'm sorry. I'll try again tomorrow. And so we've got to look at this and we see that God is a patient God and He's a powerful God. And you don't usually get those two together. I want you to look at one more story. Go to Luke this time. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. This is probably one of my favorite things that when I think of God. I understand that He created everything. I understand that He's all-powerful and I understand that he is, th he is a patient God to me. But in Luke chapter 8, there is a story that really hits home to probably everybody in this room, and I want you to see it. Go to Luke chapter 8, go to verse number 40, and we're going to read a few verses in here. In verse 40, let's pick up the story. It says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting for Him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought Him, that he would come to, unto his house. For he had one, only, had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lied dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. They were really close around him. And then look at the story, and another story inserted in here. The woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which has spent all her living into physicians, neither could be healed of any. And she's tried everything, and it says in verse number 44, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. Said, and Jesus said, who touched me? I like the response of the disciples. The disciples are all looking around and says, um, when all denied, of course, Peter's going to speak up. Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? Can I just insert this? When Jesus speaks, listen. You don't ask Jesus. He asks Jesus, well, why would you even ask that question? You've got the all-powerful God. You've got a, a, a God that shows patience. If anybody should understand that, it should be Peter. He asks this question. He says, why are you asking who touched me? There's these people all around you. Everybody's touching you. And look at Jesus' response in the next verse. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive the virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him all, before all the people for what cause she had touched him. And she was healed immediately. Jesus said to her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet speak, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house. And it goes back to that story. He tells her, he said, Listen, your faith has set you free. You ever felt like you're an individual in a big group and doesn't matter to God? You got the right spirit and you do the right thing. God will bless you for it. 
Here Jesus comes along and this lady knows that she's tried everything she could to get healed. And all she says to herself is if I just touch the hem of his, not really even him, his clothes. If I just touch his clothes, that's how powerful I think he is. Somehow she works her way in there and she sees him and she touches him and she, it says she could feel that the, the, it's gone. She knows she's healed. Then all of a sudden, under, under, on her demise, she hears him say, somebody touched me. And she hears the argument with the disciples. Well, there's people around you all over. There's no way we can tell you who touched you. He explains the whole situation and he looks. And she just looks guilty. She comes forward and she said, it was me. He says, your faith has made you whole. You know what I get about this? That in a group of people, God cares for individuals. He didn't care as much of his disciples that were around him trying to learn what he was doing, trying to get insight from him as much as he cared about that one person that had touched him. You think anybody else touched him? Did they get the same response? You think people were just going around, oh, I'm going to touch him, everything's going to be okay? What made her different? What made her different is what he said. He didn't say, you touching me. It was you touching me and you having faith of who I am. See, as I look at this story, I see uh, some interesting statements. Number one, I want to thank God for His number one power. How much can God do? He can do anything. He has enough power to do anything. He has enough power to hold Satan back. Daniel and I walked in, when Daniel walked in from going to his car today, he looked out and some of those things were smoking again. It's like, oh no, here it goes again. We just waited, 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 and all of a sudden it just went away. Satan can do anything he, he, can, he can't do anything he wants, but he can only do the things God wants him to. And I can almost see God going, uh-uh, not today, you're not going to do that again. I got all power on this and you're going to leave those heaters alone. Because Daniel and I are about ready to run in here and shut this off. We were waiting for the fire. We were going to wait for the fire trucks to come again, talk to them, and then run outside the building and make sure everything was okay. But it was okay. God handled it all because God has all that power. Have you ever been in a situation where you say, Lord, I need you to do this now? I thank God that I have good cars that start. How many of you have ever had a car that wouldn't start? Isn't it wonderful? You put the key in, you go, and you're praying more than you've ever prayed before in your life. Lord, please let this start. I have something going out on my starter in my truck, and when it goes off, it makes this loud sound. And it always does it when um, pride gets in. Like, okay, I'm, I'm all right, and there's a, there's a bunch of group of teenagers walking by, and I do it. And it goes off, and everybody looks. Sorry. Didn't mean to scare you. And it might do it two or three times i got to get my, um, what is it called, Go not Google, um, YouTube mechanic over here, Riley, to fix it. He YouTubes everything and fixes my car. But when you have a car that doesn't start, what do you do? You start praying over things. God has all the power to help you in every situation. We have people that are going for tests. We have people going in for surgery. We have people that, that are getting out of surgery, recovering from surgery. God has all that power to help you. 
It's easy to be thankful for your family. It's easy to be thankful for the church family. It's kind of more vague because we don't understand the power and magnitude of our Savior and our God. But He's all-powerful, and He can do anything He wants. And secondly, aren't you thankful that He is patient? But you know what I like the most about our God? He sees me as an individual. And He hears my prayers. And He knows what's best for me. Watch. Ray, I guarantee you the way that God works on you is different than He works on me. Wow. If God did what He did to you, to me, I probably couldn't handle it. What God did what He says to me, to you, you probably couldn't handle it. Now let's throw Bernard in there. If God works different for Bernard, Brother Shoop's back there. God works different for everybody in here, doesn't He? You ever been down and all of a sudden you got, you got an encouraging letter? Or encouraging phone call? God knew that. He knows what you need. Because not only can we be thankful for God's power and His patience, but we've got to be thank, thank, thank God for Him being personal. He is a personal Savior. He is a personal God. He gives us personal power and He also exercises personal patience for us. And as I look at these three words, I'm so thankful for His power. I'm so thankful that He's patient to me. But I am really thankful that He's personal. Because the way He works in my life is not the way He's going to work in your life. The weaknesses that I have, He will make them strong. The weaknesses you have, He will make them strong. And so often, we're, we're this lady and we go in and we, we touch the hem of His garment. He stops and says, listen, Walter Wagner needs something, and I'm going I'm to go take care of this. And he's never shocked because he has all power. He's never shocked because he has patience in my life. One thing I'm so thankful for is personal. Jesus died on the cross for me personally. He died on the cross for you personally. He loves you personally. He cares for you personally. He's concerned for you personally. Aren't you thankful that He's that way in your life? You walk out today, you're not walking alone. I saw that in numerous aspects of my life just recently. I forget who it was, it was somebody in this... In this um, room that I was at my dad's house and I was like he's not understanding anything that I'm saying today and I made a statement I said I don't even know why I'm here and I forget who it was in their kind little words says just enjoy every moment with him and when I read that I was like uh, that's what I needed sometimes we don't understand but God is a personal God how many of you have felt God do something for you lately how many of you have felt that God has directed you to do something lately? Sometimes I think God has a sense of humor. I was sharing this with the Sunday school class this morning. I, I was at Chick-fil-A and I saw two army guys come in and I said, God said, go pay for their meal. And I was like, huh, I don't want to pay for their meal. And, I, <laughs> and, and I'm thankful for the military. So I said, okay, I'll pay for all your meals. And the, and the guy said, no, you shouldn't do that. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I need to. And I didn't say God wanted me to, but I knew God was telling me to go pay for them. 
And then all of a sudden the door opened up, eight more guys walked in. And I said, God, you just mean these two right here, right? And then he goes, I told you you didn't want to do that. I paid for it out of my, hand, out of my pocket, and I, and, I, and I paid it. And you know what? I didn't ever think, look back at it and go, you know, I should have never done that. Let me ask you this question. Is God all powerful? Is he all patient? He's trying to teach you things. Did God know there were eight more people in that vehicle? You know what the moral of this story is? Look at the vehicle before you promise things. <laughs> God knows what you need. I don't know what... I see some people going through the mill. I see people going through, and I've seen people rise up and understand that God is all-powerful. He's been patient with me, and He's personal. And when you understand that He's personal, you can get through anything. Watch this. If you've been to the doctors over something minor or major, or you have a surgical thing coming up, would you raise your hand all over the auditorium? And I know who you are. I'll single you out, all right? I know there's a lot of, look around, there's a lot of people in here that are going through things. But God personally knows what you need. God personally knows what this person needs. He knows what this person is. And go back to the first one. If he's a personal God, he has all power.